Hey everybody and welcome to the 13th episode of Talking Tolkien Podcast. This week is extremely long, like crazy long. The longest episode we have ever recorded of the show. Uh, that's because we're talking about chapter 21 in the story of Torin, or the children of Huron. Uh, if you remember Huron, he was the, and I know I'm saying that improperly, Huron was the person caught by Morgoth in the previous big giant battle. It was meant to watch his family who were cursed like he was. Some crazy stuff's about to happen with, like, dragons and uh, name-changing and Middle-Earth Batman and a lot of weird stuff and maybe a little bit of uh, incest. I don't know. It gets it gets really weird. So please enjoy the 13th episode of Talking Tolkien. today um wow wow last last time we talked about um the battle of unnumbered tears near nyor arnodia is that right near nyeth arnodior (laughs) near nyeth arnodiad i believe (laughs) um yeah so we we learned about the deaths of fingon and a bunch of other people and at the end of it we talked about the capture of hurin um and how morgoth had cursed him and his entire family and so now for today's reading, um, read gonna, something that should have been a book. We're going to see. Well, which uh, actually well, it is actually a book. is a book. Oh, funny <laughs> enough, Children of Huron, which is released in two thousand seven. Yep. Also, fun fact: Christopher Tolkien is like ninety years old. Yep. I yeah, didn't realize he was he's so really old. old. Well, t- Tolkien would be like one hundred and thirty something. One hundred and thirty yeah. something. Yeah. Okay. It'd be like one hundred twenty something. Right? I think it was one hundred and twenty. Well, 120 so, I remember he was he was a hundred and it was like a hundred eleven when I was, I was like yeah. not that young. I was, like, I was like say, a teenager. I do remember I do remember Tolkien's eleven first birthday. So uh, so in interest of full disclosure, I slipped up on my homework this week. Bad. I usually read right before we record, so it'll be fresh in my mind. But my sister woke up with a migraine, so I spent all today like watching after a, uh, a baby with a cold. She's very adorable, and I love her, but that's not a conducive Tolkien reading environment. So I only got about a third through this chapter. Ten. I read it last week, and I have kombucha in me, so I'm I'm ready to go. Wait, are those two like correlative? Ten points from yes. Jonathan. Okay, I still have. <laughs> now we start 90 scoring. Ninety million points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm giving I'm giving scores now in okay. keeping with uh, our English Thank class. Thank you, Mumbledore. <laughs> We've almost spent an entire semester on this one book. Have you noticed that? It, well, it's you know, it's 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 worthy of it. You could you could teach an entire semester just on the Silmarillion. Yeah, absolutely. But, but we've also all been in like English seminars where they <laughs> teach a book in a class, and you read two books a week. Yeah, we have. We had a Wal- I had a Walton class that was like that. But anyway, but uh, this 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 chapter starts off by saying, "Hey, that, this thing is a book, yeah. and we're going to condense it down this chapter right now." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, that doesn't seem like a good idea, but all right, let's do this." <laughs> So, so yeah, this is the very condensed story of, uh, of basically, of the children of Hurin. And, um... And, and so Hurin's name is, or son is named Turin, mm-hmm. because when I have a son, I'm going to name him Nonathan or something. Nonathan, yeah. Nonathan. Um, so yeah, Turin, uh, is the son of Hurin and Morwen. And if you've ever, ever heard of the Shroud of Turin, it's talking about his burial shroud. I'm not going to look you up on that one. I'm just going to believe it. 
<laughs> the Shroud of Turin is a is, is, is a relic contained in the that's uh, supposedly the yeah the Cathedral of Turin. The shroud the, so, of, yeah, the Shroud of uh, it, it Jesus is, yeah. Christ. I mean, it has since been dated to the 13th century. Yeah, but that said, Guarino Guarini, this brilliant Baroque architect, designed one of the most beautiful chapels in Christendom for it. And the last time I was in Italy, I went to Turin, especially just to see it. And guess what? There was a fire. It was close for renovations. Disappointing. All right. I got that out of my chest. So anyway, (laughs) Morwen was afraid that her son, Turin, would be taken by Easterlings and enslaved because that kind of stuff was kind of going down at this time. Because they're the bad humans. Do we we know more about the Easterlings and, like, the expanded lore? Yeah, yeah. There's there's more information about the Easterlings out there. But basically, remember that the East... So in the previous chapter, there, there were men... Who had betrayed? Yeah, but they just kind of like appeared. You know, there like there are very few mm-hmm. things up for which Tolkien never gives context, like Ungoliant yeah. and Tom Bombadil. Well, yeah. Again, and if 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 things feel like we don't have a whole lot of information about them here in this story in the Silmarillion, it's because again the Silmarillion focuses mainly on the elves. It's the story of the elves and their history. This is true. So we see things come in like from the men, the origin of men and origins of, of dwarves and whatnot, and you know they're they come in and out of certain stories. But we focus mainly on what pertains to the elves here because the Silmarillion is the story of the elves. Um, so, yeah, there's more information out there about the Easterlings. But anywho's it. Um, so Morwen sends Turin to Thingol and Doriath. Wasn't also, like, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, wasn't also, like, her daughter, or are you about to get to the birth of the daughter? Yeah, we have my favorite names of the entire book. We haven't gotten there yet, but okay. um, we're, we're almost there. Um so this this is again so we're told as as Chase had said that we're told that this is the you know briefly slash condensed st- version of this story which still is quite uh, quite dense and extensive but it's good um, it's also I love uh, so and again we're told because this relates to the Silmarils and, and the elves but it's also called the tale of grief. Uh, Tolkien writes, for, God, it, wow. <laughs> for, it, for it is sorrowful and in it are revealed most evil works of Morgoth Valglier, which is true. We're going to see like the, uh, the, what comes from that great cursing that Morgoth had done of Hurin and his children. So, so yeah, now uh, Morwen also gave birth after she sends Turin away, she gives birth to a daughter. Nine year. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> children of Hurin is 313 pages long. Mm-hmm. And it's condensed here to 30 pages. To 30 pages, yeah. And 313 pages is, is roughly the length of Quintus Silmarillion. Of, yeah, of the main part of the of, of the book, the Silmarillion. So, yeah, it's, you know, uh, there there's a vast uh, body of work out there that's, you know, if you want to learn more about the children of Hurin, um You got there's, it. There's an entire book for you. I think I bought it when I bought this book, mm-hmm. so I have it, maybe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, the daughter was named Neonor. Neonor. And do you remember what her name means? It's kind of great. Neonor. Uh, I do not remember what it, it, it means. It means morning, like the sad oh, morning. Oh wow, kind. that's not, gonna not, be not, not when you wake up. <laughs> that's gonna be obviously something's gonna play into that. Wait, who names their kid? Okay, I'm not gonna. The same, the same people who name their daughter Chastity and then like get surprised when they're pregnant at 17. <laughs> like people don't give your kids names that could be ironic. Because yes. Neonor may very well spend her entire life in mourning. Might yeah. be. That might happen or something. Um, Maybe they're just being prescient. So, uh, so yeah, um, Turin makes it to Doriath and Thingol welcomes him and 
um, basically accepts him as sort of a second son. Um, and they want Morwen to come as well so that she'll be safe, but she didn't want to leave um, uh, Dorlomine because Huron, she was hoping, was still out there somewhere, and she wanted to stay in the place where they had lived happily together, so... And, and sends off the dragon helm. The dragon... Is that right? The dragon helm of, like... Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, she, yeah, she sends the dragon helm, um, which is the greatest of the heirlooms of the House of Hador. Um, and so Turin lives in Doriath, and... He's, you know, doing well there, and again, Thingol kind of, like, honors him as next to kin, um, but he's always very sad, um, and he lived there, so he was, how old was he at the time? He was eight, um, and he, he ended up, he lived there for nine years. So now 17. Right. So now, like, older teenager. Yeah. Oh, and, side note, there's a bit of, like, placement given, because he says he was born the same time that Byrne met Luthien. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah. Yes. Um, so we have, like, a, a time... So now we kind of know the, the time span of that story. Relative, yeah. Um, so he's been there for a while, and he used to hear news of... He'd be getting messengers and stuff. Yeah, but then they through just messengers. Stop. Right. So now he hasn't heard about his sister and mother for a while, so he gets worried, and he decides he wants to leave and go find them. Um, so he asks Thingol um, to, you know, grant him leave. And he puts on the dragon helm, too, and goes out to battle. I just imagine it being, like, too big for his head. Right? He's just, just, like, a wobble scrawny, all over the place. Scrawny little 17-year-old boy with this great <laughs> dragon helm, and he's just like, oh, um, Which probably is not too far off <laughs> at the time. Um, but, uh, so he goes off to battle um, and makes friends with Belig. Um, He's a cool guy. Yeah, I like Belig. Is one of one of Thingol's men, or rather elves. Elves, yeah. Um, and they become friends on the battlefield. Pretty quickly become friends. Yeah. So, um, three years later, I I love this part. This is like one of my favorite parts of the whole book. Where this is when Turin comes back, right? Yeah, he comes back, and it was a Thingol. Who was who? it? Who? Who he talks to and says the the statement about like how like, oh, you're so unkempt, but it's like it's like I bet your women like run naked with their hair only <laughs> oh, covering them run, like animals. Yeah. Run like beasts covered Run like beasts yeah. come, come with their own with, hair. With their, yeah, with covering with their, with their own hair. So yeah, yeah. T- Turin comes back and there he has this uh um like uh what am I what's the word? Confrontation. That's yeah. it. Confrontation. Um What's the C word, Katie? <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with Saros, um, and you know they get into this taunting thing, you know, and Turin actually throws a goblet at him, and it sort of injures him, and then you know Saros fights back and attacks him, and uh, you know is pursuing Turin. Turin is like leaving Menegroth again, um, but. Uh, Saros falls into a stream, and Turin is nothing like, good comes of that. No, no, because Turin is like, oh no, everyone's going to blame me. Um, so he decides to run away. Um, but then, actually, when Thingol hears about it, he, 
you know, he decides he's going to pardon Tyrion because, again, he treats Tyrion like a son. And boys will be boys. Exactly. Boys Whatever. will be boys and will cause someone to fall into a stream. <laughs> Does die from that? Uh, yeah, we, mm-hmm. we don't ever hear from, of him again. So he an, it's kind and of that was like, an elf, too, right? Yeah. Okay, whenever an elf dies, I'm like an extra, it's like an extra bit of like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. kind of racist. That's like saying, oh, I don't mind when, you know, immigrants die, but when a white man dies, it's... That's not what I mean. I mean, because they've lived so long. That's no, like a long-ass life. I see that news story about Marco Rubio up on, on your desktop. <laughs> No, it's Hernandez it's getting Hernandez. convicted. For no, Mark. it's in the corner. Oh, it is, and it's covered up, so it makes it look like he only raised one dollar. Oh, okay. Anyway, sorry, I. Am you're getting, uh, yeah, you're you're getting distracted easily. Um, so so yeah, T- uh, Thingol wants to find Tyrion and welcome him back because he he wants to keep him safe. So Beleg, the friend that uh, Tyrion had made on the battlefield, says he will go to look for him and try to bring him back. Um. But Tyrion, meanwhile, had found a band of outlaws to live with. Band of wild dudes. <laughs> the wild dudes in the forest. Har- the, har- the the Harley Davidson, or like the the oh god, what were they called? Hell's Angels of Middle Earth <laughs> is what I want them to be. Don't hire them to do sir, uh, security at your concert. I'm just imagining like a Hell's Angels book, like Hunter S. Thompson's, but I, through Middle Earth. I was kind of imagining, and I hate that I'm using this, but season four of The Walking Dead. Where the governor had like lost his previous armies, who just found these people and like turned them evil. Not that he well, turns them evil, but he finds these people I mean, and then he becomes their leader. Yeah, Tyrion nope. finds people and assimilates with them, and then become the uh, like yeah takes leadership for them, which he does. He names himself their new captain, and he gives himself another name, ah. <laughs> the first of many. Take, ah. a, take a shot every time he gets a new name. Yeah. Um, so he names himself. Uh, I believe it's Neithan, which means the wronged. Because he believes that he has been, like, you know, he just, as soon as uh, Saros fell, uh, he decided, oh, no, they're going to blame me, so he ran away. So right what now, you know, gothy Tyrion believes that he's <laughs> little <been wronged>. dude. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you have to be a pretty weak elf if you die from falling into a stream. Well, but That's I mean, true. you know, supposed to be graceful and, you know, like, strong and, you know. <laughs> Defy gravity. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe he, like, fell into a rock or something. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, he hasn't he seen Legolas? He's supposed to skateboard down, not a shield. He's supposed we're, to skate down on the water. We're going to get into that Ugh. stuff later, trust me. In like seven months. So so anyway, uh, meanwhile, Beleg has been searching, searching, searching for Turin to try and bring him back to Manigroth. Um, and uh, the, he runs into the outlaws instead of... He doesn't find Turin at first, he finds the outlaws. Um and so they sort of capture him. They think he's a spy. Uh, but then Turin saves him, of course. And um, Beleg tries to get him to come back with him, says they need his strength. Um, Turin doesn't want to go back, tries to get Beleg to stay with him instead, but Beleg doesn't want to stay. Um, finally, goes uh, Beleg goes back alone to Menegroth and tells Thingol... What 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 happened and couldn't do it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. So then he asks for permanent leave to go stay with Turin and protect him. 
And Thingol says okay, and he says he will give him any gift that he desires. A crazy sword. Yeah. So what else would you ask for? You'd ask for a really great, awesome sword. And he says, take any except for except that one. for mine. Yeah, you can't have mine. And he's like, well, I'll take the next best one. So yeah, Belic chooses the next best one, which is called Anglakel. Anglakel. <laughs> and it's forged from meteoric iron. Right. Which is oh, so great, and I love that. So. But that it, was a leader in Germany. <laughs> Sorry. I okay, this is the second show running we've had Angela Merkel. I know. Is this just going to become like a new thing for us? Um, yeah, so the, the, the description of that sword is pretty great. And that was a sword of great worth, and it was so named because it was made of iron that fell from heaven as a blazing star. It would cleave all earth-delved iron. This is like the king of all swords. It's a lightsaber. Yeah. That's spoilers. It's a lightsaber. It's, 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 it's a lightsaber. It's just... <laughs> Well, uh, since it fits neatly into this universe, uh, it was made by someone who'd fall, fall into the dark side. <laughs> Good point. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, Aeol made two of these swords, kept one for himself, and gave the other to Thingol, for reasons I don't remember. Yeah. And Melian is like, I sense evil in that blade. Right. Melian's like, this sword will not serve you well. And remember, like, don't, haven't we learned before that we should all listen to Melian because yes. she she is all knowing. I mean, she's a Maya, huh? and she, yeah, she's a Maya. And um, she when has a Melian, bumper sticker in her car that says "Don't break for shiny face." <laughs> <laughs> when Melian says something to us, we should take heed of it. And when she says that some sword is not going to serve us well, we should take heed of that. Um, but alas, but in the meantime, uh, Turin and his buddies. His uh, Morgoth angels are <laughs> Morgoth angels <laughs> are roaming the countryside. Now, wouldn't it be Angvon's angels? Angvon's oh, angels. that's better. Yeah. Okay, we need to design a shirt now. Angvon's angels. Angvon's angels. <laughs> Anybody out there is a graphic designer who wants to do some. Uh... We'll give you free promotion if you design us a shirt that's Angvon's angels. <laughs> I'm done with that. Um. So yeah, Just email us at. Talking Tolkien at the Warp Zone Network dot com. <laughs> Not the Warp Zone Network. Sorry, just Warp, Warp Zone, Zone Network. Yeah, it's Warp Zone Network. <laughs> um, so yeah, next we have an encounter between uh, Balag and Turin and the Outlaws and some dwarves. This next kind of episode of this yeah. epic <laughs> and uh, you know very very dense tale. Um, and they capture one named Mim. Mim. Yeah, Mim. Mim. I love that name. Mim. Um, and they shot at one of them too. Well, they capture Mim. And they cap they captured one, and yeah. his name was Mim. Um, so Mim is like, "No, please don't kill me," and offers anything to Turin. He says, "Please don't kill me, and I will lead you to my, you know, hidden safe house." I'm on rude. Um, and you, is that right? Yeah, I'm on rude. Yeah, um, and here we get this line. Then Meme rose and looked long at, long at Turin. I hear you, he said. You speak like a dwarf lord of old, and at that I marvel. Now my heart is cooled, though it is not glad. And in this house you may dwell, if you will, for I will pay my ransom. Which is the most D and D thing Tolkien yeah, ever super, written. Yeah, super super D and D. Like that is like I know I know D and D post dates Tolkien, but that is like straight out of an NPC in a quest. Well, maybe it's that uh, uh, yeah. Dungeons of Dragon is inspired had, had, had taken some of this out of Tolkien. Um, and Mim was a what was a not, not just any type of dwarf, but a petty dwarf. Is yeah, right? they, well, they, yeah, they called them petty dwarves. Felt really bad for that. I mean, <laughs> right. like like 
Petticoats. Oper- Pet- Petty Fours. I-, I love Petty Fours. <laughs> Operation Petty Dwarf. <laughs> Tom Tom Petty Dwarf. No, okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh okay. So the winter is, you know, worsening and Angband is growing stronger. Uh and then a a man comes uh to this sort of hidden dwarf house place and it turned out to be Belig. That part was actually really cool because my brain this is just classic like Tolkien will like say something and will like use his wonderful language skills and will describe the scene. My brain went to them like all like nestled in mm-hmm. under the mountain. It's cold outside but it's warm but it's warm inside mm-hmm. and they're all like like for some reason my brain went to like a really happy scene but it said, No, they're suffering. And I was like, well never mind. I <laughs> Rewind, re, re, retread that same image, and now they're starving. So, Belleg shows up. Oh, yeah, so Belleg shows up uh, once again trying to get uh, Turin to come back to Menegroth with him. And he's got the dragon helm with him. Um, but Turin still won't go back. Because, um, again, he, No, because he, he found a life of crime out with his right? lost boys. Yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, out with his lost boys now. Um, so Belleg says, decides he's going to stay with him. And... Uh, they, you know, Belig stays and it proves to be very helpful and all of the outlaws um, like him, but of course Meme hates him. Of course. Well, we're going like... to see some stuff with <laughs> Meme pretty soon. Because this is when Morgoth's forces come down upon this little Amon rude. Yeah. And gets sorts of Rude. I don't know how to call it that one. <laughs> and, 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 and I was do, trying. I was trying to work Amon into a pun as well, and, and it get, was yeah. Uh, but but yeah, uh, Morgoth does very rudely. Ha ha ha! Send his armies again into Beleriand, and so they go out into battle. And Turin puts on the dragon helm, um, and gives himself another new name. Oh God, uh, I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah. Take, take a shot every time. Uh, every time Tyrion gives himself a new name or someone else a new name. Um, so his his name now is Gorthal the Dread Helm. <laughs> See, it's Dungeons and Dragons. You gothy little punk! Like I, I can't think of it any other way. Uh, Called how- wounded, and he calls him that. <laughs> so. Word spreads to Morgoth now, and because uh, Turin is wearing the dragon helm, he knows that Huron's son is out there now. That one. I need that one. And yeah, so he's like, bring him to me. Um, and that's the exact voice of Morgoth, in case you didn't know. See, I was thinking more like Harrison Ford. I was thinking Gilbert I want Gottfried. That. I want that man. I, I want that. I would love to see Gilbert Godfrey as Morgoth now that you've said that. I want that man. I, I can't do that. That sounds literally nothing like yeah, Gilbert was... Godfrey. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm talking to someone, I can unconsciously emulate their accent. So. Um, but everybody's killed, too, for the most part, except for Belleg. Belleg gets away. Yeah. And it comes across an elf that's basically been like hanging out here because he got lost in the middle of... Because he's, he's, he's come up before, and it's Gwyndor. He came up in the last chapter, right? Yeah. And he's just been, like, hanging around here. Gwyndor was at that great battle, and he was captured. Oh, yeah, that's right, he was captured. So he's kind of, like, hanging around, and Bella like, talks to him, he's like, you're <laughs> he's creepy. Well, Gwyndor, <laughs> well he's, he's hanging around, nothing to do but frown. 
rainy days and Mondays always get him down. No. Uh, so <laughs> Gwyndor had been, so he had been captured after that great battle and was forced to work in, in the slavery, mines. Yeah. And uh, so then he had managed to escape by those secret tunnels. Um, and uh, Belag finds him and takes him with him. Um, so uh, Turin also meanwhile at the end of this sort of battle with orcs had been captured um, so Belig is sort so, of taking Gwyndor along he, and he, he searched for the bodies and couldn't find it yeah which gives him hope yeah um, so he comes to this camp of orcs and shoots them all while they're sleeping. Which is a pretty cool scene. It, yeah. it, it, it reminded like, me of... creeps up on them. It, it reminded me of that Baron and Luthien story where the, yeah. like, the wolf is like sniping wolves out of the sky by biting their necks. Yeah. And that's kind of what Bellig is doing. I think, He's, I think sniping would yeah, I, projectile. I, I think I meant a better word than that, but anyway. Well, Bellig actually is sniping, yeah. though, because he's, he's actually got, sniping. like, bow and arrow. Um, and Clint Eastwood's so... gonna make a movie about him. <laughs> up there's smoking... <laughs> orcs one, one after the other and um, takes them all out yeah he takes Dude's a badass takes them out and then they find turin is tied up to a tree because he's a damsel so uh they cut him down and then bellig uses his sword to cut turin free um but he accidentally cuts his foot while he's doing it yeah it slips yeah. and and then turin grabs it and stabs belleg which remember this yeah this sword that belleg had chosen to take and melian had told them this sword will not serve you well and here here it is yeah so <laughs> turin wakes up and you know he's been cut and he's like in a uh, fit of uh, rage uh, and uh. Blinded, and so he thinks that Belig is trying to kill him. So uh, instead, he takes he takes the sword and kills him. I'm reminded of the scene in uh, season six of Mad Men where Peggy thinks her boyfriend is an intruder in her apartment and stabs him in the abs. Wow! Why did not? Wow! Oh, are you not up to date? No, not at all. That's oh, interesting. I'm sorry. It's a great. It's, sorry. I'll no, I'm going to watch it now that it's ending, but. Someone told me something about the seventh season. I'm going to go, I have to start watching the show now. But anyway. So he... Uh, yeah. So yeah, the orcs kind of like... The one the orcs that are remaining in the area, like, mm-hmm. hear like all this happen, and they start searching around, and they find Belleg's body. Well, yeah. Did they find Belleg's body right then? Or? Well, so... so uh, not Thingol, I'm sorry. Um, Turin sees that it's Belig. The So there's this great storm going on while all this is happening. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And the lightning, like, lights him up, and he sees Belig lying there dead and realizes what he's done. And so then, you know, we have this first kind of just stupor that someone falls into. And uh, so Turin then... Uh, I, I kind of like the way that this is written. Um, like, the great wordsmith that Tolkien is. Uh, Tyrion stood stone still and silent, staring on that dreadful death, knowing what he had done, and so terrible was his face, lit by the lightning that flickered all around them, that Gwyndor cowered down upon the ground and dared not raise his eyes. And then Turin basically stands there all night through this storm and, like, doesn't move. And the orcs, meanwhile, are looking everywhere for him, not realizing that he hadn't moved. It's kind of, I mean, like, it would be comical were it not so horrid. <laughs> um, so then Gwyndor and Tyrion bury Belig there. Um, oh, that's right, yeah. 
But they took the sword because it would do more service to be used than to be buried with him. Uh, yeah, and good thing they're armed, but they're armed with a sword that is that seems to hate people. Right. <laughs> so um, Gwyndor now decides that he's going to protect Turin. Um, and he leads him uh, to the springs of the river Narag and has him drink the sort of healing water there and it sort of helps to bring him out of his stupor. It kind of um, helps, yeah, a little bit. And then, uh, you know, they honor the death of Beleg and Turin sings a song for him and Gwyndor gives him the sword and uh, Gwyndor tells Turin everything that he knows, uh, including that Turin is still thought to be fighting Morgoth mm-hmm. um, and that Morgoth has cursed his entire family which Turin up to this point I don't believe had known um, now, so that's why yeah so that's why I can't do anything right <laughs> I better name myself again <laughs> right so so next they, they decide to go south but then they're captured <laughs> and taken to Nargothrond yeah but this time they're they're captured by Elves. By elves, yeah. yes. So, it's not that bad. Yeah. Um, Police have finally caught up with them. <laughs> <laughs> so now... We're all doing with this weird <laughs> knife. We just found it, we swear. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't use it to kill that guy. Oh, no, we, totally. We didn't kill him at all. Uh, we, we did. Um, so, they take them to Nargothrond, and nobody recognizes Gwyndor. It's a really cool part of just, yeah. like, nobody recognizing him, because he's been through so much garbage all of his life. Which really illustrates the kind of, um, you know, transformation that this extreme grief and, you know, um, like, uh, pain and anguish of this, like, slavery that he had gone through, how that changes elves. Yeah, how the hopelessness changes elves. And remember also that, like, orcs were bred by torturing elves, too, so... Um, so is this more on the is this on the level of like Gwyndor seeming like an orc or like Gollum? No, he just Gwyndor seems very aged. Okay. He so you know nobody recognizes him. He looks very aged and very um, like you know kind of he's Carl and up. But <laughs> but one person noticed and recognized him, right? Is that right? Yes. Okay. So Finduilas. Who was the daughter of Horatrus? Fendwilus. Yes. Fendwilus. Okay. <laughs> Good job. Fen like a shark. Duh, and then wheel, and then us. Fa, duh. Fe, fe, duh. I already messed it up. Anyway, sorry. Thanks for that. <laughs> so. Sorry, we reached the part where I did not yet get to read, so I'm only here for witty commentary now. <laughs> so, um. She recognizes Gwyndor, and guess what? Gwyndor loves her. And Instantly? Or has that happened before? Um, I, I, we don't really know. It's just so, Finduilas recognizes Gwyndor and loves him. And then Gwyndor loves Reciprocates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, he gave her, gives her a new name. Again, oh, people God. are being renamed. No! Um, no! And her new name is, uh, Felivrin. Which means gleam of the sun on the pools of Evren. Thalevren. Which is really pretty. It's kind of nice. Okay, appreciator of the long-winded names of Tolkien. I like 
like it. Wait, what was it again? It means gleam of the sun on the pools of Evren. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's very specific. And remember, so those the pools of Evren were, you know, what had healed um, Turin. That's that's pretty cool. It's like magic water. It's named hey, I'm going to name you this thing we just saw like a couple days ago. <laughs> Good thing they didn't see like... So it's like naming your daughter Brooke. Or a dead armadillo, because we saw that along the way. That's the best look at things. We got to eat it, you know. You people have no appreciation. I'm taking this the beauty of naming things. I'm taking this like this is Route 66, and they're the Hell's Angels. In like, (laughs) no, no, they're the Angbon's Angels. Angbon's Angels, yeah. Oh, let's continue. I'm saddened. Um, So, Turin is kind of allowed to stay because Gwyndor, you know, vouches for him. Um, But Turin is like, don't tell anyone my name. Um, Dude, I don't even know your name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, again, you know, he's cursed. Right. And there's, you know, he's carrying a lot of baggage with him, including all the stuff that he's done thus far. Um, So he gives himself another name. Uh, And he calls himself, uh, I believe it's Agarwayan, the son of Umarth, which is bloodstained son of ill fate. So, again, he gives himself these very, like, this guy changes names more frequently than a teenage Twitter user. <laughs> well, and he does it because he doesn't want anyone to find out who he is. Uh, for good reason. Um, but Oradreth and everyone likes him. Yeah, because why not? He has a whole new identity, so he can just make himself up to be how everyone likes a con man. And he also looks... Uh, you know, he has sort of looks that are that lend them to liking him. Um, that, so, you know, they remind they remind uh, him of. Oh gosh, what am I? Where you getting that? Yeah, he he looks like he could be an elf. Basically. There we go. Okay, that's what I'm looking. So, um, so yeah, there's this kind of passage about how they see him. So. Um, uh, he was in truth the son of Morwen Eledwen to look upon, dark-haired and pale skin with gray eyes, and his face more beautiful than any other among mortal men in the elder days. His speech and bearing were that of the ancient kingdom of Doriath, and even among the elves he might be taken for one of the great houses of the Noldor. Therefore many called him um, Adonidel, the elf man. So, yeah. So we could say had- that's another name? It like, could like, be. Does could it count? be uh, that we have not been counting. We should have been counting how many names. No, it's the. Through. It's about. We're up to about. If we count like that six. one, it's like five. Yeah, it's five. five. Okay. So yeah, um, you know, he remember he had grown up in Doriath, so he has kind of the mannerisms and and carriage of an elf. Um, they call him man elf. Did we get that? Did I? Man elf. Yeah. Yeah, just an yeah <laughs> or elf man rather. Um, elf no, dude. No, it, oh yes. Okay. I thought it was man elf, and then I thought it was not elf man because that's a real name. And then I thought maybe he's like the Danny Elfman. Yeah, and then I thought maybe he's like the man bat of Middle Earth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so while he's in Nargothrond as well, they reforge the sword for him, the sword Anglicel, but he renames the sword. Oh god. Uh, he renames it Girthang, Iron which is, of Death. That is cool. <laughs> that is some metal for which, how much metal stuff that is in this, that is in this chapter, yeah, this is that's pretty the, metal. And and again, which is very fitting because it was made by this like you know star, meteorite iron that was stronger than any earth made iron. Um. So then you know Turin 
who has you know gone through many names already, becomes known as this great uh, uh, force on the battlefield, and he earns the name. He earns another name. <laughs> There's going to be more too. I know. Uh, Mormegil, the Black Sword. Um. So basically, it's believed that he can't be killed, and that like he's the mightiest warrior. Um, and he can only be killed by, like, some horrid accident or if someone, like, snipes him with an arrow from way away. But if, if you were to come to, at him with a sword, he would slay you. That's the, that's the element of, like, sometimes with these characters, it's like, oh, they're the strongest, except mm-hmm. for this one arbitrary little thing. Guess what's going to happen in the future, kiddies? There's going to be a fatal flaw. Yeah. Um... So, Finduilas, who remember when when Gwyndor had recognized her and loved her, um, mm-hmm. loved him, Finduilas now starts to love Turin. Oh, this is not going to work out well. Um, even though she really did love Gwyndor, she for some like was compelled to love Turin. Um, and Gwyndor kind of, you know warns her that she shouldn't love him um, and says she even goes so far as to say this man is not Baron um, and then he tells her Turin's actual name and that he's cursed and then somewhere off in the middle of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> oh no um, so now Finduilas relays this to Turin and Turin gets very angry, of course, because he didn't want anyone to know his name. Because um, I would bring up so all the So changes it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but then, even so, so Oradreth finds out that this is Turin, son of Huron, and he honors him um, and decides that they're going to leave this stronghold of Nargothrond and go out into battle. Um, so now Nargothrond uh, like is not secret anymore and no. Morgoth knows about it and I'm sorry to interrupt again but I just got back notes on um, someone who's helping me publish my thesis and just got through the final draft like the accepted draft of my thesis apparently I wrote about the balls of the bath of Diocletian instead of the halls of the bath of Diocletian how do you mess that up way to be on topic <laughs> Um, anyway, they, they, they clear out the servants and stuff from of Morgoth from this area, right? Yeah. And they go out to battle? Yeah, they go out to battle. This is the part I really am fuzzy on, because it was really, like, long-winded. So, um, word gets to Thingol and Doriath uh, about what's going down, but they but uh, Turin's actual name is still not used, though, and all they know about is the Black Sword of Nargothrond, and that... Um, you know, things are happening with, you know, the forces of Nargothrond working against Morgoth now. Um, so at this time, Morwen finally decides to leave Dorlomine. Um, it feels good about now. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> and she takes Neonar with her and they go to Doriath, to King Thingol. Um, and they're hoping to hear news of Turin, but of course, 
There is none. No, uh, yeah. Um, at least that they know of. You know, they're hearing all this news about the Black Sword, but they don't actually know that that's Turin. I like that idea of, like, them hearing about this legend of this other dude, and, like, that dude sounds cool or whatever, <laughs> but, but they're, so they're yeah. going, like, hope our son or our brother gets back wherever it's at, but it's, like, yeah. that not knowing is pretty cool. Exactly. Like they're, it's like he, Batman. They're, He's Batman of Middle-Earth right now. <laughs> he is the Batman of Middle-Earth. Um, and they're hearing all of these great deeds of his, you know, prowess on the battlefield, but, of course, they don't know who it is. Um, so, there's, you know, as, as is often given, um, one of the, one of the Valar kind of helps to, to give, like, foreboding. So, what's going on at this time, you know, we, we just have this kind of little intercept with some, with just random people. So, there's, there's two elves that come to Nargothrond. And uh, Ulmo had given them a message that some great peril was on its way. Could you imagine if that happened in real life? Like, like you're getting a bagel or a coffee in the morning, and somebody <laughs> taps you on the shoulder, and they're like, "Hey, I don't know you, but Jesus sent me to tell you. Jesus sent me to tell you that something bad is going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Can't say what. Can't say when. <laughs> but Christ loves you. Yeah. Might be dragon shaped. <laughs> Might be dragon shaped. Yeah. Uh, so they say they should shut the, the doors to Nargothrond and destroy the bridge so that nothing can get. Across there. But, like, why are they responding to this? Because if it's, like, a a prophecy from, you know, one of the Valar, like, can they really, like... Like, you know, what's the point in trying to... Dude, the, like, captain of the Belrocks took a dump outside their (laughs) lands not too long ago. I'd believe anything at this point. No, but what I'm saying is, if you know you're in doom, why prepare for it? Well, you, you still have these... I mean, people have made advances against Morgoth before... So there's still this, like, last hope that everyone's clinging to that maybe this will be the the one thing that tips it over the edge and we will come out victorious. To be fair, it doesn't... just give up. Nothing helps anyway, because the bridge still gets destroyed and what... Or, well, the, but the bridge still gets taken. That's what I'm like, saying. I don't know, it's incredibly asymmetric that, like, the Valar, they're like, oh, Morgoth is over in Middle-earth. And then they're like, or uh, Melkor to them, I guess. And then they're like, oh... But the Noldor went there too, so we'll let them deal with it because we're not going to get them <laughs> what else? involved yeah. anymore. Well, but I mean, they still help them though. They send word that uh, they didn't tell them <laughs> that doom is coming. Prepare for it. <laughs> That's not helpful. They still help. I'm, I'm trying to spin this in a good way. <laughs> then a dumb dragon shows up and does dumb dragon things. So yeah, Glaurung the dragon comes again, um, and destroys the healing springs of Ithil Irvin and then comes into Nargothrond. And Nargothrond comes out into battle, but of course Morgoth's armies are, you know, very strong. Um, Everyone is getting killed or hurt to the death, and um, Turin goes to try to, to, to save Gwyndor and brings him into the forest, but... Um, he gets captured by that point, and he gets taken out by... I know this is leading up to where Galrog is, like, talking with him, or, like, stares at him. Mm-hmm. And there's specific things about the stare of Galrog. And Galrog? says... Gal- Galrog? 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 <laughs> Get Galrog? <laughs> Uh, I'll just I'll just call him Gigi. Uh, <laughs> Gigi, there you go. Big bad G. Uh, <laughs> but but the dragon stares at him and starts like telling him lies mm-hmm. about his mother and sister, right? Yeah. And then like he well, believes it. So uh, this is kind of this is kind of interesting. So uh, 
Turin had brought Gwyndor out and was trying to save him, but Gwyndor was, like, f- fading, and she tells tells Turin to go back and save Finduilas, and says that he really needs to save her, and says that she alone stands between thee and thy doom. If thou fail her, it shall not fail to find thee. Um, so then Turin goes back into Nargathron. Um, and, you know, the they can't destroy the bridge. They're trying to destroy the bridge now, but it can't be destroyed. And now that, you know, the enemies are coming over the bridge, and yeah, Glaurung comes into Nargathron now. And so now we have this face-off between Turin and Glaurung. And Turin is paralyzed by the dragon's gaze, um, which we'll see again. Um, and yeah, so Glaurung is, you know, taunting him and um, calling him all these great names, including uh, Thankless Fosterling, Outlaw, Slayer Shot. of Thy Friend, Thief of Shot. Love, <laughs> Usurper of Nargathron, Captain Foolhardy, and Deserter of Thy Kid. So he's basically Justin Harris. That was so specific. All right. <laughs> um, For those of you who don't care about Arkansas politics, Justin Harris is a politician who adopted and then abandoned his daughters. Yep. So... Now this is when, like, Turan runs the, away out into the... Well, the the orcs had captured Finduilas, and sort of while Turin is captivated by this evil oh. dragon gaze, they take Finduilas, like, right under his nose, take her away. Um, and so then, uh... Glaurung finally releases him, um... But is still, you know, taunting him and saying that he'll never save his people. And uh, if he saves Finduilas, he uh, will forsake his kin. If he forsakes his kin, mm-hmm. he won't save Finduilas. Uh, Turin stabs the dragon in the eyes, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, runs. And Glaurung, meanwhile, just s- settles himself down in Nargathrond and takes all of Feligan's uh, uh, store of gold and whatnot and... Um, makes himself a happy little dragon nest in there. Stupid dragon. They all do the same thing. So, Turin uh, decides to go after his family to try to save them. Um, he goes to Dorlomine, but of course Morwen, as we know, has gone. Um, he goes uh, and runs into some Easterlings and kind of uh, threatens them to tell him the truth and um, ends up killing a ton of them. <laughs> this is around the point when his, the spell kind of wears off? Or yeah. is it still like, okay, it wears off. Yeah. yeah, the dragon spell is kind of worn off here. Um, so then he, he at least uh, learns that Morwen had gone to Doriath. And so he thinks, okay, well, at least maybe they'll be safe there in Doriath. So now he decides to go to look for Finduilas. And then, oh my god, does he find... Yeah. So now he comes to the woodmen. And uh, he says that he's looking for Finduilas, who is the daughter of Oradreth. Um, and he, he talks to their leader, whose name is Dorlas. And he says that she's dead. And they take Turin to her grave. And Turin has, like, another sort of, like extreme grief experience. So grief that he reveals who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, so Doralas kind of recognizes him by the sword, too. 
um, and knows that he's Mormegil, who also has now been rumored to be the son of Huron. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they know who he is, basically. Um, so they take him in. And Turin wakes up and feels a little bit better, better and decides he's going to stay there with them, uh, with these woodmen, and start over again. And guess what? He renames himself. Uh, was so, this time Elvi for Mopey? <laughs> Brooding? Not quite. It's pretty good, though. He renames himself Turambar, which is Master of Doom. Because he wants to be the master of doom, right? He's, yeah, well, he's, if you know where, where the name you want to like shoot for, Ooh. you know he he has this doom hanging over him. Yeah. Well, and as as Luthien is known as Luthien Tenubiel, so is he known as Turin Torabar. Yeah. So this is like the action, like the big, the actual, the most important yes. of all his names that he's chosen. This is this is the one that's going to stick around. Yeah. So he wanted to basically start over and become this new thing and. Um, make himself and all of the people around him believe that this is his actual identity. Um, so he he even stops using the sword too. Um, he uses a, a a bow and arrow instead um, to still because he's still going to fight the orcs, but he doesn't want to be known by that sword because now it's started to become associated with his actual identity. And this is when the entire perspective does this when it switches over to the sister. Yeah, so yeah. Now, now finally we get back to Nienor. And this is where I got beyond confused when I was <laughs> reading this. Like, this is the part I kind of got lost on. If you're not confused yet, you're about to uh. be. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, there are some, a very few survivors of everything that went down in Nargothrond. And they send word to Doriath and to King Thingol about what had gone down there. And there's all kinds of different stories. Um... You know, some of them true, some of them not true. But pretty much everything included um, the fact that Mormegil was actually Turin. So now, like, his identity is known to Thingol. It, it doesn't matter. Like, and, it's getting out. <laughs> and, and to Morwen. So Morwen, of course, is really worried and wants to go find her son um, against Melian's warning. And Dude, guys, listen <laughs> to me. I I know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, Belly, all she does is try to warn against people doing things that's going to end Hey, guys, badly. don't do dumb things. <laughs> uh, come on. And alas, it doesn't always work. Um, so then, you know, so Morwen can't be forced to stay, so Thingol sends people after her to guard her and watch over her at least. So he sends Mablung and some other guards. Um, Neonor also was told to stay, but these ladies are very strong-willed, <laughs> and Neonor actually disguises herself as one of Thingol's men and goes, um, and, and sneaks out. So, um, they, you know, everybody tries to get Morwen and Neonor to go back, but of course they won't. Um, and they come to Amon Ethir, which is the Hill of Spies, um, which is kind of near Nargathron. And um, Mablung kind of makes the ladies stay with a guard, and then he and some of his buddies go down to the river. So, you know, we're pretty close to the to the gates of Nargathron, close enough so that Glaurong comes out. Oh, man. And... Ugh. 
like spews his nasty dragon funk. Oh yeah, they were like talking about like all sorts of stuff about dragon stank. You know, it was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, like people are overcome by the stench of it, you know. And he like steams up the river, and so Mablong and company are kind I do of do like that steaming up the river. Yes, yeah. yeah, steamed up the river, and they're blinded by this. And the dragon can now go over the river. Um, so you know the dragon's breath like confuses the guards, and oh, <laughs> they can't find Morwen and Neonor, and uh, nobody. You know Morwen actually gets completely lost, and no one hears about her ever again. There a period at the end of that statement forever. Yep. Oh wow. Yep. Yeah. So and I think it's even so in the text. It's like and nobody in Doriath ever heard about Morwen again. <laughs> Gone. Yeah. She's out. No more. So. Neonor actually makes her way back to the hill and waits for Mablung. Um, and and I love this wording, too. Um, she she goes there to await Mablung and came thus above the reek into sunlight. And looking westward, she stared straight into the eyes of Glaurung, whose head lay upon the hilltop. I, I just imagine it's like this, this like, fog. Yeah. That just smells like... I mean, what what the what does a dragon's breath even smell like? That's what I'm like wondering. Like sulfur, but worse? Yeah, like sulfur, but with this... I mean, I, it's got to have, like, a breathy smell to it, too, you know? But, like, so I imagine it's, like, sulfur and... Like some kind of halitosis induced. Yeah, funk. yeah, I could see that. Like burning deviled eggs. Oh. Like something like that. Nasty. Uh, I mean, the burning part would suck, but deviled eggs are pretty awesome. Anyway. <laughs> so now, as we see and as we've seen before, looking into the eyes of this dragon does not bode well for anybody because Glaurung has this kind of, you know, magic ability to confuse and confund people. So he kind of, you know, screws up her cognitive abilities. I think that's just called the magic ability of being a dragon. Of being yeah. a dragon. <laughs> so, you know, she's c- kind of confused, and he just leaves her there in a stupor and goes back into into Nargathron. So, um, meanwhile, Mablon comes back and finds Neonor there, and he has to, like, take her by the hand and lead her away because she can't think anything. I'm, I'm a dragon. Yeah, uh, she's under stench. This, she's under this dragon cloud stench. and Egg farts. Uh. <laughs> and, you know, can't do anything. She can't function. So um, they lead her away, and she slowly starts to kind of get a little better, but she still can't speak. And she can't hear anything that they say to her. They have to, like, physically lead her places. Um, She finally wakes up and runs away when these orcs attack them while they're asleep. And uh, the elves chase after and kill the orcs, but Neonor is, like, in a terror terror right now. Still just freaking out. Well, she runs away and she starts stripping off all of her clothes. (laughs) Oh yeah, that part. (laughs) And then it was like, whatever that that elf beginning was right about something, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you know, this, you know, when Melian tells you not to leave, don't leave. Don't leave! (laughs) Just don't leave, because things like this will go down. See, the problem is all the people that do leave die and never relay the fact that, hey, maybe you shouldn't leave back to people so no one learns their lesson. Yeah. So, Neonor runs until she can't run anymore, and then she, you know, falls asleep on this hill and wakes up eventually and 
and she can't remember anything. She can't remember what things are called. She can't remember how to speak. What's this? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, and she finally comes to the forest of Brethil, where, of course, Turin has been living as Turambar now. Um, and she she's hoping to find some shelter there. And there's this another great storm. Things always happen in, amid you know these great storms. And she throws herself down on the mound of Finduilas, um, and you know just kind of hide, tries to hide herself in it. Um, and who comes across her but Turambar? This is, and they're gonna meet, and they're gonna like be like your brother, your sister, right? And then everything's gonna be fine, no. right? No. Right? Alas, no. Oh, no. Remember, he was cursed. Yeah, who yeah. was cursed? Turin is, is, yeah, things are just never going to turn out well for him. So, the woodmen kind of take her in and feed her and, you know, attempt to heal this her. This is called bread? Yeah. This is, this is something that you know. eat. You, Web. It, <laughs> it helps you. It makes you feel better. Um, and so... Neonor starts to heal a little bit and she looks up at Turambar and she's comforted because, as Tolkien writes, it seemed to her that she had found at last something that she had sought in her darkness. Which is true, right? Very true. She was looking for her brother. Um, But uh, not, yeah, not turning out that way. Um, So... Turambar asks her uh, to tell to tell him her story, and she becomes distraught and starts to cry. And so he's like, "Okay, no, you don't have to tell me. That'll come come later." Um, but I'm going to rename you <laughs> uh. <laughs> because I am Turin Turambar, and I love to name myself and other things. You might as well just name himself or renamer of names. <laughs> renamer of things, yeah. So he names her Niniel, Tear Maiden. Here, maiden. So basically, yeah. You this, s- he meets this woman, and she's so distraught, and she's just cry- so he so he names her like crying lady. <laughs> yeah, because she's totally be doing that forever. Um. So she's like, I don't think that's my name, but she, but you know, everyone calls her that. Tear <laughs> maiden sounds like an album that like a metal band would put out, trying to be feminist, but actually be like unintentionally horribly sexist. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, she slowly becomes healed. The women of Brethil kind of help heal her. Um, but, and, and they, she learns how to speak again, which is good, but she still doesn't remember anything. And then this one guy named Brandir also helped to heal her. Um, and surprise, surprise, he came to love her. Um, but who does Neonor love, though? That, who does she decided that she loves? Turambar. Uh, unbeknownst to her, this is her brother. But um, so things are kind of going okay, and there's a time of peace. And Turambar asks Niniel, as he has named her, to marry him. Uh, but she declines. Good. Um, Getting worried there that Morgoth put an incest <laughs> curse over them. Well, so Brandir then is, you know, because again, he, he loves her and so he's jealous. So naturally, he decides to tell her that Turambar is actually Turin. Um, and, but at the same time, though, Brandir doesn't really know who she is. So he doesn't know the entire reason 
of telling her all this, but so she says that he's Turin and that, you know, uh, he's cursed. Um, and so therefore she should not marry him. Not so, have anything to do with him. Yeah. So, you know, three years go by and Turinbar asks her to marry him again. Um, and so basically he says that either he wants to marry her or else he'll go back and just become a wild man and, you know, <laughs> spend all of his life at war being a wild man. <laughs> Which is like this ridiculous ultimatum to give someone. <laughs> um, so Niniel agrees and they get married. Um, and yeah. That dragon's laughing somewhere. Look what I got cause happen. Well, the dragon's laughing, and also he decides he's going to come back and attack. Ah, this isn't funny anymore. I'm going to go take care of him. <laughs> so Glaurung sends orcs into Brethil. And uh, Turambar is like... Uh, Turambar wants to fight against them, but he promised Niniel that he wouldn't go into war unless their own home was being attacked. Um, and Dorlas is like, you're a coward. You should be fighting with the people who took you in. And uh, so finally Turnbar is like, okay, fine. So he picks up the black sword again, which he had previously put down so nobody could recognize him. And somewhere but, Melion is just going, why <laughs> what are you the doing? hell does no one listen to me? <laughs> She's hitting the bottle real hard. So he picks up the black sword and he helps the men of Brethil defeat the orcs. Uh... But who hears about the black sword again but Glaurung? So now Glaurung oh, I want that. knows. I want that. Glaurung knows. Um, so there's this rumor that Glaurung is coming out to the borders of the forest. And, you know, the people are scared. And it doesn't look like he's going to go back to Angban. It looks like he's going to come and, you know, destroy our home. Um Turambar says it's probably not smart to go fight him uh, and that they should all stay back and he'll go fight the dragon himself. Um, Great idea, man. Yeah. Great great job. Great idea. Um, Dorlas and Hunthor say that they'll go with him. Um, Brandir was like, no, man, I'm not going to go. And so he stayed back. Um but then Niniel becomes scared and she wants to go after, after Turambar and, you know, people, lots of people go after her mm-hmm. to try to protect her. And Brandir even tries to go after her to protect her, protect her, but she, but he's like crippled. So he can't move very fast and he falls way behind them, which will become important later. Um, so now Turambar comes to this very narrow crossing of the river and decides they're going to jump over it to get to the dragon. Um, the, wow, this uh, was so dense. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> I just remember the the part that's definitely coming up. <laughs> so yeah, ba- you know, Hunthor basically dies while trying to cross it because like a rock falls and smashes him in the head. Everything about this is just forever bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this. So this is great. Now it's Turambar against the dragon. Um. And so this this passage is really great. So then Turambar summoned all his will and courage and climbed the cliff alone and came beneath the dragon. Then he drew Gurthang, which is the sword that he had renamed, and with all the might of his arm and of his hate, he thrust it into the soft belly of the worm, even up to the hilts. 
But when Glaurung felt his death pang, he screamed, and in his dreadful throw he heaved up his bulk and hurled himself across the chasm, and there lay lashing and coiling in his agony, and he set all in a blaze around him and beat all to ruin until at last his fires died and he lay still. Awesome. Awesome so, energy. Yeah. Fitting, uh, quite th- theatrical death for a dragon. Um... But the sword, but, yeah. the sword is still in the dragon, in the belly of the beast. And Turin, in all of his infinite knowledge, decides he's going to go <laughs> over there and pull that stupid sword out. Right. And again, Melion somewhere is just like screaming. You should have listened to me. Why does no one listen to me? Pulls that sword out, and the blood, the yes. poisonous blood, makes him go. Does it make him go nuts or yeah. what? Yeah, it makes him go nuts. Yeah. So. It makes him go nuts, and basically, he it makes him uh, uh, it makes him uh, fall into a dark swoon and lay as one dead, and his sword was beneath him. So it, yeah, he's this like poisoned blood on his hand basically puts him into another stupor. And everybody over in um, Brethel is like sees the big fiery smoke and what yeah. dragon farts that are hanging over the. <laughs> area and they're like maybe we should go check out what's going on yeah and <sighs> what's her name <laughs> sorry i messed up well her. so her actual name is nianor but yeah, nianor yeah niniel nianor <laughs> goes out there and they think he's dead yeah probably is for all we know <laughs> right um and so she 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 comes across to her and bar and she finds him and she thinks he's dead but then, so her tears, she, she's actually healing him with her tears, because the tears, she has like phoenix tears, you know, and they, they're healing, um, and they fall on his poisoned hand. And then we have Glaurung's last words, which are important. Um, and he says, Hail, Neonora, daughter of Huron, we meet again, hear the end. Um, or we meet, we meet again, ere the end. I give thee joy, and thou hast found my thy brother at last. And now thou shalt know him, a stabber in the dark, treacherous to foes, faithless to friends, and a curse unto his kin, Turin, son of Huron. But the worst of all his deeds thou shalt feel in thyself. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't feel weird at all. <laughs> feel in thyself. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, oh, I think we forgot to mention that she had conceived Yeah. earlier in the spring. So there was a baby. Yeah. This is all bad. And that baby is King Charles II of Spain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so now with those, you know, uh, all-telling last words, Glaurung dies. And the last of that magic spell that was in, uh, over Neonor is lifted, and she suddenly remembers everything. Oh, I hate everything now. <laughs> yeah. So she then, so her last words are also then quite spectacular. So, uh, looking down upon Turin, she cried, Farewell, O twice beloved, Atirin Turambar Turin Ambartanen, Master of Doom by Doom Mastered. So, uh, pretty great. Oh, happy to be dead. And then she throws herself over uh, the edge of the river. Um, <laughs> just was, was lost forever. So, in, um, in Wagner's great opera trilogy, I mean, quadrilogy, uh, The Ring Cycle, of which many elements are shared with Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. like a grubby little beast which finds a magical ring that can control things. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, I think it's in the second one, uh, uh, Die Valkyrie, 
there are two there there are twins a brother and a sister uh one is named sigmund and the other is named siglinda which is a beautiful name for a woman it is and they do not know that they are brother and sister and they fall in love and conceive and find out they're brother and sister and then the next opera siegfried is about their son so i i can't help but point out the i think this is more than a just a thematic uh, affiliation because tolkien like admittedly did draw from you know pre-existing myths and kind of repurposed them in some ways and during disney belugan was i butchered that name was yeah. um based on norse myths as interpreted through germanic cultures rather than mm -hmm. kind of the vikings that were more affiliated to with us and you know thor to coal in the dark world <laughs> there is is there a little bit more left of this yes oh wow <laughs> so um so yeah so uh neonor has just thrown herself over the edge and Brandir now is uh, com coming back, and he uh, tells everyone that's left that uh, Niniel has killed herself, that Glaurung is dead, and that Turambar is dead. Uh, they all believe that he's dead. Um, basically, he says um, that... Uh, he, he tells everyone about the dragon's last words and that Turambar was a curse unto his kin and to all that harbored him. Um, so now Turin wakes up. And he, I rise! <laughs> and he comes back and he's confused. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't know what happened. And so everyone tells him what Brandir has just said. And so Turambar kills Brandir because he's in a fit of rage. <laughs> And Someone else is dead now. <laughs> so now he runs to uh, the mound of Finduilas and cries on it and asks for advice. And so now here comes Mablung, um, finally, who had been searching all this time for um, for, for Morwen and, and, and Neonor. Yeah. So Turin asks uh, Mablung what's going on, and Mablung tells him. Um, and it's at this moment that Turin kind of realizes everything, finally. Everything comes to light. And he says, Then at last Turin knew that doom had overtaken him and that he had slain Brandir unjustly, so that the words of Glaurung were fulfilled in him. So he runs away, and he comes to uh, the exact place where Neonor had thrown herself over the edge into the water, and he draws the sword... And he says, Hail, Gurthang, no lord or loyalty dost thou know, save the hand that wieldeth thee. From no blood wilt thou shrink. Wilt thou therefore take Turin Turambar? Wilt thou slay me swiftly? He wants to die, of course. And so now this sword, like, speaks to him. Which is Because why not? You know, and, why not? And the sword's like, yeah, I'll drink your blood. <laughs> um, the sword is Klingon. Because, um, uh, so... You know, he the the sword basically wants to like save itself too because it had killed Belig, its own master, and um, you know it had killed Brandir, who Turambar had killed unjustly. Now, so Turin falls on his sword and kills himself. Um, Mablung blames himself for the death of Turin because he had told him you know everything, and Turin finally came to the realization. Um, so, uh, then we have this, uh, sort of great ending ep to an epic tale, like a, the, what, what you do with a great hero. Um, so they burn the dragon and then they like raise a great burial mound for Turin 
and uh, they put the shards of his sword all around him and bury him with the sword, and they sing a great lament for the children of Huron, um, and they bury him with this great stone that's a dedication to him as well as to, to Neonor. Um, but uh, basically no one ever knew what, what happened, happened to, her. to her. She just threw herself off the edge into the water. So we had this like really great, dense... Cyclical, I have to say, heavy, heavy, heavy tragedy, heavy, heavy lay of the children of Huron, which is like a very medieval. <laughs> Somewhere Huron is like on a mountain going, Well, that just happened. I had to watch it all. <laughs> great. Because remember, yeah, Huron is set upon this great tower, forced to see everything, but you know, can't leave. Uh, I have to include something random and totally not related because this is a polymathematical podcast. The expression falls upon his sword reminds me of the death of Borromini, one of the great, well, one of the most celebrated, I should say, architects of Renaissance Rome, uh, Baroque Rome, uh, who designed a fair number of, of churches and uh, committed suicide. The phrase I was taught was fell upon his sword, which yep. reminds me of this. But he wanted to be buried in one of the churches he designed, and of course committing suicide as a cardinal sin. Yep. So he had a priest on hand. So he fell on his sword and then the, very quickly gave confession to be absolved of his sin wow. before dying. That's before crazy. Died. So yeah, that's a uh, that's a way to do it. See, yeah, here we we don't we don't have a uh, Catholicism here. So, <laughs> but know. Tolkien was very devout <laughs> oh, Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you didn't have to. Turin didn't have to um, give a last confession to be oh, given this great burial mound. Well, he also didn't want to be buried in one of his churches. No, he didn't. They did it for him. <laughs> So yeah, um, the situation really sucked. Epic, epic tale, and you see, yeah. So this basically is, you know, we had seen before this, you know, Morgoth had cursed Huron, you know, multiple times, and all of his family, and you know, no good can come from this. And then again, we had this warning of Melian, you know, don't take the sword, don't try to do, no, nothing's going to turn out well. And indeed, we see <laughs> this like. Uh, Nobody, no tale. one listens. Tragic. No one pays attention to the to the words of Melian, mm-hmm. and dumb stuff happens, like sister, brother, loving, and people falling on swords and stupid dragons. Yeah, carving up farts. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so I hope that that cleared up some of that story. <laughs> It did. I mean, it makes much more sense now, but still, it's like, wow. Yeah. Everything about that's bad. And again, the fact that, you know, this is pretty much an entire book that's condensed here into a chapter. Well, this is also the longest episode we've ever done. Yeah. Very, yeah. yeah. Baron and Luthien wasn't even this long. Oh, yeah. wow. And I, well. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had been able to read the full thing, but my niece is very adorable. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you That's a great excuse. She, you know, she's to that stage of, like, being a baby where she she understands things now. So, you know, she knows what things are used for. So, like, I was using one of those scalp scratchers, and then she grabbed it, and she kept rubbing it against my head. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. It's so cute. And she's starting to vocalize. Mm-hmm. And I played the... Um, the goat herd song from the sound of music for her, and she started going like, rah, rah, rah. you know, speaking. I'm, I'm a baby person. Speaking of which, we're not too far away from the end of this. Yep, mm-hmm. we're, we're really yep, close. We're close to the end of the Silmarillion proper. But then we have um, 
And then we have a couple more little things to deal with. with Acolbeth. Yep. Acolbeth. And, um, okay. Of the rings power in the third age. But for now, um, what was kind of the your favorite aspect of this whole story of Turin? I just like the image of Melian just going, what? <laughs> so it's like a personal image. It's more of what my favorite. Because honestly, I mean, I, I liked this story, but mm-hmm. not quite like everything else in this book. Like, mm-hmm. This was just almost, like, too much. Like, I feel way... It was like... When I was reading, I was like, wow, I, I need to I need to sleep or something after that. <laughs> well, this made me sentimental for a lot of the medieval lit that I studied, especially um, with, uh, like, my medieval French lit class. There are a lot of parallels between stories like this and, you know, uh, well, tales across, you know, medieval literature. They have a lot of uh, kind of commonalities. But I, you know, though it's... Uh, confusing a lot of the time. I I I like I really like the constant renaming. It's this. So Turin goes through this whole. You know, he's cursed. He's like, and I'm so he clever. Can't escape. So he decides. I. You know, I'm gonna. He he keeps trying over and over and over again to to rename himself and start anew and you know rebuild. Uh, and you know fails over and over and over again, but he's still always got this hope. What? Like, I can I can, you know, be this great warrior just, like, nobody, nobody speak my name because nothing good can come from it. What a dumb dumb. <laughs> he was a lollipop? <laughs> lollipop guild. We're gonna get to them in the next chapter, right? <laughs> oh, no. I think you have your... You have your fandoms. Yeah. Uh, there is a Wizard of Oz fandom. My friend is heavily oh, yeah. involved. In there would have to be. Uh, well, I guess my favorite part um, was when my nephew came home from school <laughs> and saw that I was there and got really excited and then played a little bit of Smash Brothers with me. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> He's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. That was uh, the story of Tyr and Tyr And we'll be back next week. Oh, and a little note. Um, Two chapters. You can, you, can, you can find us on iTunes under the English class colon talking Tolkien. You can also find us now on Stitcher under the same name. Uh, so please subscribe. I never understand why podcasts do this. It's like, you listen to the entire podcast and then they tell you how to find it. Then they tell you, yeah, you yeah, find it, yeah. So if you are... Maybe it should be top-heavy. Well, I mean, you can find us several different places. Yes, so if somehow you're listening to this and you don't know why or how... <laughs> now Here's you, how. Yes. Here's how you can, you know, habitually listen to us. <laughs> so I, I'm John. I'm Katie. I'm changing my name. I'm Chance now. He's Chance. <laughs> yeah, Chase is... Oh, you should just... Wait, that's a dumb name. Time. Oh, no. <laughs> I take it back. Late. It's too late. Oh, no. It's too late. You can rename I, yourself later. I, I knew a kid whose name was actually Chance Lucky. I kid you not. Poor son of a bitch. I mean, it was L-U-C-K-E-Y, but still. Also, happy birthday, Chase. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's my birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, TJ. Don't do that. Happy birthday, Chance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>